Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Trunk, reading the stories that didn't make it. I'm Hilary B. Bisniaks. Friends, somehow it is July of 2020. We're still sheltering in place here in beautiful Oakland, California, and that doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. I hope that wherever you are in the world, you and your friends and loved ones are safe and well. For this month's shelter-in-place episode, we're diving back into my trunk, all the way back to the spring of 2010, a whole entire decade ago, to brush some of the dust off of another story that I wrote for an assignment. I don't recall what, if anything, I was given as a prompt, but I turned it into another vaguely horror-y tunnel story, which should surprise approximately nobody. Actually, this story predates Green Line, which I read on our April episode, by about a year. So here it is. The doorway. Eric's footsteps echo oddly through the tunnel, bouncing off of the concavities that lined the walls. He tries to stay silent, listening for the sounds of maintenance workers, or the first trolley of the morning. He imagines himself invisible, only a shadow cast by the dim bulbs that shine out from the walls here and there. He is broken of this illusion when he steps in a puddle and swears at the cold, murky water which invades his boots. Eric had seen the doorway one sleepy morning as he went to work. He had never seen it before, and it captivated him. He began spacing out during work, going on autopilot, living for his commute, another chance to see the doorway. In his dreams, Eric went through the doorway and found himself in a new world, all trees and hills and greenery. There was nobody else there in his dream, but it wasn't lonely. When he awoke, he wished he hadn't, and every night he would hope to go back through the doorway, but he wouldn't dream. All day he would sit at his desk, staring into space, thinking about what was beyond the doorway. The next time he dreamed of the doorway, the landscape had changed. Some of the trees had been felled, and in the distance, Eric saw wisps of smoke rising from behind a hill. There was a village on the edge of the riverbank, and Eric could see people moving about. He watched for a time, not wanting to go any closer, not wanting to interfere in the simple lives of the people he saw. Eric awoke the next morning with the sharp scent of wood smoke fresh in his nostrils. Days passed in a blur, punctuated by brief glimpses of the doorway. In his dreams, Eric began to go through the doorway more often. The village was growing, and as it grew, Eric became bolder. Soon he began to enter the town, for it was a town by then, and walk around, exploring. The locals, Eric soon realized, couldn't see him, and this emboldened him further. He entered buildings freely, and only upon awakening did Eric ever feel at all strange for watching, unobserved, the personal lives of the townspeople. As the months passed, the town became a bustling port. Eric watched each night as traders came up the river, offloading spices, tea, and sugar. The town sprawled outwards, but each night, when Eric came through the doorway, he was on the outskirts of town. When he looked back, once, the doorway was a rough black hole in the bare rock of the hillside. Just as he could see nothing beyond the doorway when he was in the tunnel, 
he could see nothing from outside, though the mid-morning sun shone upon the doorway. He didn't look back again. He was drawn to the town, and he always awoke before he found himself wanting to leave. For a time, Eric was satisfied simply watching the life of the town, but as time wore on, he became curious about the things he hadn't seen and couldn't see. The town had become a small city. Brick houses had replaced the wooden ones, cobblestones had replaced the packed dirt of the main streets that cut the city into a neat grid. Eric was sad, for a time, that he couldn't interact with the city folk, that he couldn't ask them about the history. But as he began to despair of ever learning the history of this dreamland, he came across a library. Eric soon exhausted the new volumes on the shelves of the library without learning much, but one night, as he entered the library, he noticed a door that he hadn't seen before. The room beyond the door was small and dimly lit, occupied by shelves packed with heavy tomes whose leather bindings were cracking with age. Eric was careful as he selected a volume at random from the shelves and set it down on the room's lone table. The cover of the book he had selected was plain, an enticing mystery, and Eric opened it with shaking hands. The pages were packed with the careful longhand script of the long-dead author, and told Eric of the land as it had been when the first explorers from the old country had come. The land, the author recounted, had been wild and beautiful, much like Eric remembered from his first visit. But little focus was placed on the beauty. The author told of the things that occupied the woods at night, great creatures that were unknown in the old country. As Eric read on, he learned of the first settlers who had come to establish a colony for the crown. They had survived only one winter. The author said that, when more ships arrived in the spring, there had been no sign of pestilence or attack. There had been no sign of anything. The settlement had simply stood empty, dead. The crown made no more mention of the settlement, leaving its fate to the realm of old wives' tales, waiting until it thought that everyone who had known about its fate had died before making any new attempts to settle the wild new lands across the sea. Eric awoke to the buzzing sound of his alarm, his bedroom filled with the musty smell of ancient paper, which dissipated as he rubbed his eyes in the light of dawn. He slept on the trolley, his head resting against the scratched plastic window, almost missing his stop. He nodded through the morning and lay his head down at his desk when the time came for lunch, too tired to eat. The doorway stood before Eric, and he walked through. Beyond, the night sky was an angry red, and the air was filled with the stench of fires and gun smoke. Eric ran towards the city. He could hear the staccato crack of gunfire ahead of him, coming between houses and shops. Malevolent shadows moved out of the corners of Eric's eyes, their sources gone by the time he could look. The gunfire ceased, replaced by cries of fear, and then there was no sound besides that of the fire that was gutting several houses nearby. Eric started awake, prodded by a co-worker. He felt sweaty, grimy. He left work early and watched the tunnel go by as he rode the trolley home, when he saw the doorway rush past, images of the red sky and the predatory shadows flashed through his mind. That night, 
the city was in shambles. Rain fell on ruined buildings that still smoked. Eric could hear a commotion coming from the center of the city. A crowd was gathered, filling the streets for blocks, and somebody was making a speech. Over the heads of the crowd, Eric could see two huge shapes looming, great black beasts bound in heavy chains. The speaker finished his remarks, and a line of soldiers pushed their way through the crowds, urging people to clear the streets. As the streets cleared, more soldiers came, pulling at long chains, dragging the beasts through the streets, followed by others whose muskets were trained on the incapacitated but still living beasts. Eric followed as the procession marched down the main street to the edge of the city, and towards the bare rock of the steep hill that stood overlooking the city. Eric watched, detached, as the beasts were shoved through the doorway in the hillside, each pushed by a gang of soldiers wielding several tree trunks between them, and as a heavy iron gate was secured over the opening of the doorway. He walked back into the city and waited to wake up. Eric knows that the doorway is nearby, Ahead of him are three concavities in a row, with working lights in them, the sign he has come to know. When he reaches the doorway, he stands still for a moment, feeling a cool breeze blowing from somewhere within the blackness. He pulls out his flashlight, turns it on, but it does nothing to lessen the impenetrable darkness of the doorway. He walks forward, blind, his feet half knowing what to expect as the ground slopes upward. The air changes, freshening, and Eric begins to see some light ahead of him, just around the bend of the passage. He speeds up, but is brought up short as he rounds the bend of the passage. Past the heavy iron bars, Eric can see the sun rising. The city has been repaired, modernized. In the distance, a Model T putters along a street and out of sight. Please tune in again on July 17th, when Merck Fenn Wolfmore will be my guest. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at HBBisniaks. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject.